3: He spears at the Motlop through his hands. He did get the opportunity. He breaks a tackle and he kicks another absolute ripper goal. He had it. He lost it. He was gone. He got up and he has kicked the goal for the Blues to hit back. Saints edge forward. If it sits, it does for Gresham. He can give the Butler one more over the top. Higgins will have a shot. Higgins will kick a goal. The Saints are back in front. It could be a Friday night to remember in season 2022. Paddy Ryder hunts it down. King weaves his way past them. Spins it towards goal and got it there. The give goes back and the skipper steal. Steal himself and then mats away in triumph. Saints put up too quickly. King off the carpet. Rolls through. A little bit of icing on the cake. To cheer on the siren. The Saints' revival on a Friday night. A big win over the Blues and deservedly so. Yeah, they've worked so hard during the season and we had, you know, we had a, a, a three-week period where we didn't win games. One we sort of against Brisbane ran out of men to sort of put ourselves in there, but the last two weeks have been below par and to maybe cop the criticism, which is fair but they've done a lot of hard, hard work this year and I'm just really pleased for them to you know, get back on the winner's list but play the way we want to play. Uh, our intensity, whether we had the ball or without the ball, was, was pretty good and it was a great contest. Um, you know, both teams having a crack and there's a lot on the line, so yeah, really pleased for the players.
4: The Saints may have been down, but they're certainly not out. A backs to the wall win over the high-flying Blues, catapults St Kilda back into the top eight.
3: ...opportunity at the back for Pryor, didn't mark it... ...but Cameron scooped it up and kicked the Lions' first goal of the night. Cameron was able to disrupt the Bulldogs' defence. He pushed Scott out of the way, not in the back. And the open goal was there for the taking. Here comes Charlie, out the other side! Charlie Cameron! What a goal! Cameron. He feeds back onto it. He got rid of Scott, gathered, goes, and goals! He's got four, and he is turning it on big time. You know, we talked about the final here last year, and how how disappointed we were to lose by a point. And this was a bit of an opportunity to get a little bit of redemption, I suppose. Not not massive, but a little bit. And uh, that's what our boys were able to do.
4: Inspired by Charlie Cameron, the Lions got back on the bike and buried the Demons from the week before. Once again, the Dogs' finals hopes are now hanging by a thread.
3: I think Ben Rutten should be under pressure. Uh, for his job. Uh, yeah, I, t- I think something has to give at Essendon. We've been consistent, I think, in saying that the where we're at now with our program and our list that we think that's our man. I doubt anyone would have challenged us on that you know, a fortnight ago. Clearly, um, that's a debate that can now happen on the back of our form.
0: I don't believe I need any, to be honest with you. I've, I'm really comfortable. I've got ongoing conversations with the board, spoken to Sonia, um, meet with Ben regularly, so I'm not comfortable where we were at from a footy team perspective just to, to clear that up. I accept the tribunal's decision, um, I was left to their discretion and um, obviously disappointed in my actions and um, I had to own that as a man and uh, still my, my immediate response was Dion's wellness and, and that of his family that had to vi- have had to
4: experience this. A knockout blow seven days ago led to calls for the introduction of a red card while with the season entering its final third the heat at the hangar and Arden Street continues to rise on the coach. We'll debate all the big issues on the Round 16 edition of Crunch Time. Welcome to Crunch Time. A great morning for Saints fans, given they only win about 25% of their games in their history against the Blues. Any win over the Blues is a big one. Their skipper, Jack Steele, will join us very shortly. Julian Destoop with you, joined by... The Western Bulldogs' games record holder, six-time All-Australian Brad Johnson. Morning, John. Good morning, Jules. How are you? I'm very, very well. Sir. Kane Corns will join us in a second as well. He's over in Adelaide, but uh, I guess we're all wondering what sort of response we were going to get from the Saints. What What impressed you most about that performance last it was, night?
5: It was. more around the the mental approach to the the game of footy from from the St Kilda Footy Club. You could see that you know what had happened the, the previous weeks with the with the losses. They they put it all on the line in terms of their 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 ability mentally to get themselves up. Now I know we say every week you should be in that mindset anyway, but the nature of an of a, of a developing team and improving team will fluctuate throughout throughout the year. and And to get to this point here, and 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 July is the the four week grind. If you if you're in that spot of fighting for an eight, and you can get this this four week period right, then you play finals. You get through August and you and you're in. You lock it in, and and that's what the Saints where the Saints are at at the moment. And the way. The way they were with their warm up, I thought, was excellent. The way they, the way they, just had an extra edge about about them, rather than sort of just wandering around in warm up, tapping each other, off, smiling, laughing. Didn't see any of that last night. Now that's okay. I don't. I'm not against any of that. But sometimes, and sometimes we talk to Jack Steele in a minute, um, and it'd be great to to um, listen in on that. Is because I think he led the way with the way that they approached this game, along with Brett Ratton and. That mental edge, that that look in the eye, they had it last night. And it set them up for victory, no doubt.
4: So back in the eighth, the Saints seventh at the moment, depending on other results. Richmond and Collingwood win. Collingwood get a couple of percent. They'll slip back to ninth. The Blues currently fifth. Let's bring in – let's be honest, Johnna. He is the most influential man <laughs> he is. in the AFL.
2: Not only – the day he brings up a proposed rule change. I just thought um, – good morning to you both. Um, I felt like St Kilda were a lot more daring with their ball movement. The, the previous week. Uh, against Sydney. Geez, it was boring. Geez, it was long down the line, didn't give their forwards any opportunity. So you could clearly see a distinct change in attitude, willing to take a few risks through the middle of the ground. And really reluctant to bomb it long on top of Max King's head. So we can speak to Jack Steele about that and the change in method with their ball use. Uh, I thought Carlton made some errors, you know, allowing Sinclair to have 24 touches in the first half after being tagged out of the game by Clark the previous week and what John Lemire and Sydney did to him to disrupt his game. Now, understand Hill came back in. So which one do you go with? Is. Is, a, is interesting from a tactical perspective, but to allow Sinclair to do that, and he was really the architect to get their ball movement going, and you could see, you know, the Fords just enjoyed it. Jono playing with a bit more freedom, the ball coming in a bit faster. Felt like Ryder and, and Marshall were able to expose the undersized Carlton defence early and take a number of marks inside 50, and they just started the game um, really strongly. I, I did notice on the coverage last night, Johnny, you mentioned the... The warm-up, which you've alluded to tonight, but I loved it. Like, I just, I wanted, you know, to, to sit back and to have some insight into that and, you know, the steely look on, on the St Kilda players' faces. Now, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and how much do you, you know, put a weight on that? But... I thought it was that they played with a bit of fun last night. It was like, look, you would have enjoyed playing in that game with the way that they were able to transition the ball, considering how boring they were the previous week. To,
4: b- to both of you, interesting comment from Michael Voss in the post-match last night. I am just wondering what, what you think this means when he said, we didn't respect their pressure.
5: What does that mean? Well, well that means they weren't up for it, I think, Kane, yeah. in terms of that. you think that as a, as a side where Carlton's at, that they would be prepared for a team that's that's going to, let's be honest, manufacture that pressure early and see if they can gain an edge from that because they hadn't had it for three weeks all of a sudden from a team's point of view it becomes a, a manufactured thing mentally that you that you try and create for yourself and the team and then hopefully that evolves over four quarters and I think early on yeah Carlton should have been prepared for it it's just a it's a no-brainer in terms of
2: preparation I would have thought. Yeah you spoke about a bit of their the method moving the ball at, at half time there was an interview that he gave last night and he wanted to tidy up some things there and and that point there, so whether he means they tried to overdo it with the footy, considering the pressure was pretty hot, and maybe they should have taken a bit more of the easier options, more so than than, than trying to overdo it. Look, just watching it home on TV, I thought Carlton were up for it. Now, if you look at, if you want to be really simplistic about this, when, when Carlton kicked 10-18, yeah. and I think there was five or six that didn't score, I mean... <laughs> that makes it pretty tough as well. So we could easily be sitting here this morning, Carlton kick 18-10, they win the game, and they're, they're flying, they're in the top four, and it's a different story. But they weren't able to convert last night, clearly, and sometimes that is, sometimes we underestimate how impactful that can be in the course of a game and how deflating it can be as a as a team when you consider, continue to have those opportunities but miss, the other team go down the other end and score. I mean, that that, that can be as simple as it, as it was in terms of the difference of the result last night.
5: And you look at the first quarter as well, Kane though. St Kilda had three goals, six on yeah. the board, so they missed yeah. their opportunities earlier. They could have separated the game a lot uh, lot earlier than it did take them at the end. And look, overall, yeah, you're right. From a contest point of view, Carlton are great in that area. Plus 22 last night. Contested ball, but it was more on the outside. They were minus 33 yeah. in uncontested possession. So I think I think from a, a structural point of view, which helps set up their ball movement, was that they were... They, they knew that Carlton were going to be tough to beat in the contest, but if they set up their shape right and got their pressure in the right uh, in the right element as well, they are able to pressure the first ball, got to the outside, and then they were able to release from there the Saints and beat them on the outside with Hill setting up great off the, the back of stoppage, and then you got Sinclair as the as the third layer to that. So they were able to work the structure I think a lot better last night, which gave them the best opportunity to push forward and give their forwards. You know, that opportunity one-on-one on a number of occasions, which they thrived in we'll, that situation.
4: We'll delve into the Saints when we speak to Jack Steele. Certainly, as you say, the Blues had their chance. They dominated that third quarter. It was one goal six to three goals one. Hewitt, De Koning and Kerno all missed absolute uh, sitters in that quarter. Just on Harry Mackay last night, was there a bit of too much looking for free kicks in Harry's game last night?
5: I thought there was on a on a on a couple of occasions he he probably went to deck searching for the free kick when he could have used his big 100 kilo frame and actually stood up and, and brought the ball to ground so i think there was a couple of times he actually won a free kick in the last quarter which didn't look like it was there but he got mm. it so and missed um missed the, the snap shot so yeah i think there was a couple of occasions where he probably could have on on reflection when he does his review he'll he'll stay you know i probably could have stood up a lot stronger in, in those contests.
2: And the opportunity too that he, he probably had to cash in. I mean, Howard was out of action sort of into the second quarter really and then eventually subbed out of it. Battle went to him and you could see the mismatch that he had and sometimes you you think this is going to be a little bit easier than what it was. So credit to the Saints as well for, I mean, this is a pivotal win for them because lose this, you, you probably miss the eight with the... With the draw that they've got, I know we're going to get to the Saints a little bit later on. But the way that they fought it out with the injuries that they had and the carnage with with Marshall going down, Howard subbed off, Butler and yeah. and Clark getting smashed in the face, like it was it was pretty brutal stuff. And Brett Ratton coming down to the interchange bench and speaking to the crew, you know, halfway through that last quarter, I thought was really important. But for for McCoy and Kerner, they, had, they they both probably had poor nights really, like from from what you would have been expecting with the matchups in front of the ball and how strong the midfield has been. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't mind speaking about Sam Walsh as well, Jono, because I thought you made an interesting point that, which your colleagues dismissed a little bit last <laughs> night. Because <laughs> it didn't if, if, answer the direct question. Well, if we've got I'm a moment, go. Jules. Yeah, I'll, go I'll, for I'll, it. We, yeah, so, so it was in and around um, the way Sam Walsh was playing and starting as a half forward and then coming up and, and playing as that extra midfielder, which, which he does as good as anyone, really. I mean, his, his numbers have been extraordinary. The week before, I gave him the perfect 10 for his 40 possession game that he had against Freeman. I thought that was more on ball than forward. Certainly he was shifted on ball and same thing happened last night, but where to get to the next stage of his career is, is the point that you were trying to make Jono, that was quickly dismissed. But on the back of his numbers last night, I reckon you've got, you've got a good point to make. Firstly, I'll let you explain what you mean by that. Oh, I was more around going around what's next for, yeah. for Sam. And look,
5: you know he's, he's he's an unbelievable player and he's been since he's walked in the doors mm. at the blues in his first performance we all went wow how good how good is this young man and he's been able to maintain that in the first stage of his career so he's finished his first stage through that 3 or 4 year period now he goes into the second phase of 21 22 to 25 years of age 26 and then for me i think in this period we'll get the same from sam and that's going to be amazing for carlton they're going to be lo- they're going to absolutely love what he's going to offer them but then for, I think for even Sam and his own his own game and own performance, what's next in terms of post that 25, 26 to age 30? Is it just the same again, which which might be great. But is there other layers that he can add to his game? Now, he might be able to add 1% to his running ability, which would take him to a whole new <laughs> echelon. He's probably challenges to try and beat Cottrell, who Eddie Betts last night said he's the the number one runner at – um at Carlton. So that might be his initial sort of goals in terms of increasing, can he increase his running and power and strength in the contest? But what's beyond that? What's beyond 25, 26 for Sam Walsh? And I think Carlton need to start preparing for that now. Now's the window of a three or four-year period where he plays unbelievable footy and will continue to do that. But they can certainly start now working on a marking game for for Walsh or uh, or take him – Forward in certain sessions and teach him some leading patterns, and it's all for it's all for that future when he's um, you know at that at that strike mm. rate of twenty six to thirty years years of age and and what layers they can add and now's the time to start adding the layers so they're unbelievably good when they start to shift
2: his position for the
5: latter part of his career.
2: Mm. Yeah, well, I thought, and I thought you're ahead of your time with with pointing it out last night because you look at it once again. So he's had thirty three, started at half forward. Now Brad Hill's gone to him. And cut them to ribbons, really. So, so Walsh has had plenty of it, 19 in the first half, but Hill had 15 as well. So really good coaching from Brett Ratten to say, okay, well, we're going to let him go up, but we're going to put a really dangerous half back on him. So he'd want to be impactful and kicking the ball inside 50 and hitting the scoreboard, because if he doesn't, Brad Hill's his direct opponent, and I thought him and Sinclair got them going. So 33 last night, but just 12 kicks 286 metres gain, which is a low number for 33 touches and five score involvements is what Sam Walsh had and didn't score. And he's kicked four goals for the year. So your point is to what can be the next evolution? Is, is it more, we want your centre forward because you're a really good ball user. Maybe it's 22 touches a game, but eight score involvements and two goals. So the, that might be the next evolution to I mean, he's good enough to do that. It'll take a, you know, a pre-season or two to, to get him comfortable with that. But I look at now different players, but what Shea Bolton is doing for Richmond is maximum damage per touch. So every time he touches the ball, they usually end up with a score. I'm not sure you can say that about Sam Walsh at the moment. And whilst his numbers look really good and a you know, nice mix of contested and uncontested, he wins plenty of clearances and we love what he gives to the Blues. Your point in terms of the next evolution, particularly if you're going to play a dangerous half back on him, you want him kicking the ball inside 50 and hitting the scoreboard. Now, Lockie Neal did this really good interview after he won the Brownlow in 2020. And he said, no, f- f- the improvement came from me using my legs and driving with my legs and kicking the ball more and kicking it inside 50 and, and hitting the scoreboard more. And that was what gave me you know, extra oomph to my game. Now that he, he, that came, you know, five or six years after where Sam Walsh is at now, but can he learn the lessons of other players before him? And, what Petrarca is now doing, can that be you know, the next development of Sam Walsh? Because I thought it was an interesting test case last night. I didn't think he was that effective on the game, albeit his numbers looked pretty good. Yeah, maybe it is that a kicking
5: efficiency going inside for forward 50. It's, it's working at training on hitting Kernow, hitting Mackay, just consistently those, those types of, of kicks that... That you have to bullet in. It's not just the, you know, the quick kick out of stoppage, or it's not the float or the long forty-five meter down down the line, which we often often see. It's that dart inside fifty that could separate him as a as a kick. He's a good kick. He's an efficient kick, but yeah, he's, he's not a great kick. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's that's an element that can certainly rise within his game. And so often, and the reason I'm bringing it up too is because so often we we will see a positional change of a player, but it might be the start of a pre-season, and they want it to be effective that next year. Yep, and. It doesn't often work like that. Yeah, you know, I was I was lucky throughout my career that when I had that positional change from midfield to forward, Terry Wallace got Brian Taylor down to actually just coach me for the entire summer. He was out in the ground with me. We do match him, he's standing next to me. Do this, do that, lead here, position here, balls over there. What are you doing here? And without that, I wouldn't have had a successful transition to to playing a forward. So having lived it. And having the, the specialized coaching around it, I think that's the shift for some of these guys when they want them to to have a positional change or help develop their career or add layers to their game. The specialist side of it is really important, but it doesn't have to be instant. You can work on this for two or three years to then unleash it mm-hmm. at, at the right time rather than wanting that instant um, instant effect you know, off two months of doing it at training. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, talking
4: point. Probably the biggest positive uh, before we get to the break last night for the boys was Jesse Motlop. Yeah. Was, Durden's probably <laughs> dropped away a little bit. Oh, he's has been injured and his form is dropping off. But uh, for a first year player, it was pretty impressive from Motlop last night. Well,
2: I played with his dad, and on a, honestly, the most skillful player Daniel Motlop. I, I think I've probably ever played with. Like, and that's you know saying something with Stuart Dew and the other players, Roger James and players like that. But he was just freakish, really, from what he could do in and around goals, and some of the goals that he kicked were phenomenal. I was on Facebook last night, Daniel Motlop, and he posted the highlight of Motlop, where he sort of dropped the mark and went back and got the footy, broke a tackle and kicked that outside, check side on the right foot, um, and how proud he was. So, look, bonus, I'm not sure they would have expected him to be this good so soon. He looked like a bit more of a project sort Mm. of player for me when he was drafted, but Yeah, he he will be huge. Everyone needs these small forwards. We saw what Charlie Cameron did, and that was as good a small forwards game as we've seen this year, I reckon, how... The damage Charlie Cameron did. So, I mean, yeah, that was a, a real talking point last night, and he's going to have a lot of highlights. I, I loved his game last night.
4: So, it's the Eagles next up for the Blues over in Perth next week. Then they play the Cats at the MCG, GWS at Marvel, and Adelaide at Adelaide. Over, let's get to the break, boys. You're listening to Crunch Time for 7 Eleven Hot Food. Hot and Ready Near You. Coming up after the break, successful Saint Skipper Jack Steele. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Remember, Saints fans, you can still become a member as they march towards 60,000 members. Visit saintsmembership.com.au to sign up today. Second game back last night for Jack Steele uh, from his shoulder injury. 24 possessions and a goal, and the successful skipper's been good enough to join us this morning. Thanks for your time, Jack.
0: Thanks for having me, guys.
4: Uh, Jack, before we get on to the game, uh, any updates on Hunter Clark this morning? We see, I guess we see broken noses in footy quite often, but a compound fracture of the nose is... Is
0: something we don't see every day. And
4: any update on how he's feeling this morning?
0: Yeah, I'd say he's fairly sore. <laughs> um, I think he's already been in for surgery this morning to, to get that fixed up. So, yeah, definitely feeling for Hunts because he's had a few sort of incidents like this. He had his broken jaw last year, and um, you know he had his, his AC joint at the start of season too. So, yeah, he's um, yeah he's would be a bit sore this morning. I would have thought.
4: Any idea what that means in terms of how much footy he'll miss?
0: Uh, No, I'm not exactly too sure what it looks like. Um, I think it'll probably be a couple of weeks at least. Um, Yeah, but I'm sure we'll find out more as as time goes on.
2: We might as well get an update on the others as well. Dougal Howard, the knee looked... I don't know what was going on. It sort of couldn't put any weight on it. Jack, can you give us an update?
0: Yeah, I think he's had a few troubles with that knee um, over his career, I think. Um, And he might have had a bit of cartilage floating around that... Um, just got in the wrong spot. Uh, I don't know if it's as serious um, as what it sort of looked, um, but I think they're going to get a scan and just see what that comes back with and then go from there.
2: Well, let's talk about the positives of last night. I, I loved your ball movement. Now, the week before, you were so boring. Um, I wonder if that was discussed during the week and the way that you reviewed the Sydney game but also prepared for this game and, and your ability to shift the ball off the line, take a few more risks and open up the whole field of play. and Give your forwards a bit, a uh, bit better ball use. Was that a focus?
0: Absolutely. The week leading into Sydney, we were probably focusing pretty heavily on our defence after after Essendon the week before, um, and we just completely forgot about our ball movement. So last week, all we did at training was um, you know just found ways to move the ball and get our half back sort of running and exploding um, and just giving us potency on offence and. Obviously, Brad Hill and Jack Sinclair were unreal last night at giving us those options um, and everything just flowed off that. So it's great to see that we could do it. Um, we always knew we could do it. We just sort of, um, yeah, I don't know, needed to go back to what we were doing at the start of the year.
2: That happens a bit, doesn't it, as, as footballers? Like you focus so intently on one area, be it whatever, stoppage or contested footy, and the other areas get neglected. Do you find that as captain?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you sort of forget your way at times, um, especially when you're not playing the footy that you want. And you, we had you know, maybe three games in a row where we didn't get the results we wanted to, and we just sort of went into our shells, especially on offense. And um, all we needed to do is just, I suppose, go back to what we know, um, look at our game plan, go back to what we were able to do during the uh, during the start of the year, and, um, and then just go from there. So it was, it was very pleasing.
5: Mm. jack i'm fascinated in your role as, as skipper last night because it just looked like you were the you were the main driver and take us back during the week as well if you if you can in terms of just that mental edge that you seemed to have last night it was a different different seems like a different mindset in terms of what you're able to to put forward for the playing group to uh, to get off to such a good start
0: um yeah i i think we all knew that it was a game that we needed to win if we, if we didn't win it we're in a very tough position and, and probably you know weren't going to really make finals um, so we just wanted to go out there and prove the doubt is wrong um, and, and get the win it, it certainly meant a lot after the last couple of weeks they've been very tough on the group and um, you know life hasn't been good for anyone so <laughs> we just wanted to go out there and prove ourselves and prove they're a really good um, you know AFL team.
5: Jack, but from your your role specifically, did you have to look at other players or did you have to get around other players and and drive them a little bit more during the week or or even on game night, you know what I mean, where you're looking at the player in the eye and you're looking around the room going, who do I need to actually go and and focus on here to help us with with our performance? They may have been down in a little bit of form. Your role in in assisting those players get to the level we saw last night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose there were a couple of key players that um, were great last night that, I reckon we, we needed to get a lot out of him. Paddy Ryder was one of them. I, I said to him before the game that it starts with him and um, clearance and pressure is exactly what's going to win this game of football against Carlton's midfield. So um, he had an outstanding game. I think he ended up against maybe three goals. Um, but it started with him um, at centre bounce. He was unreal. And again, blokes like Jack Sinclair and, and Brad Hill, we obviously gave them a fair licence just to try and buy off as much as they could with their, with their kicks. And Craig, um, our board movement, um, so I had a few conversations with them just to let them know that um, we need them.
2: Would it be a good week to announce your coach's contract extension? Do you think?
0: I'm not going to comment on that. I'll <laughs> leave that to, to Andrew Bassett and Matt you know, something.
2: It's been, it's been um, as you said before. Like life wasn't fun for for anyone. So you had you've had the the coaches you know coming under pressure after starting eight and three and then the the hill and the rider stuff and reports of a scuffle or whatever it was and then the denials of that that's sort of ha- what happens when things go uh, a ride a footy club so to get it back on track you must be thrilled because it could have easily petered away and ended up in a really disappointing season you feel like you must be like, right back in the hunt
0: oh definitely but again kane it's only only one one game we can't really mm. get too ahead of ourselves there's still a lot of footy left to be played and We've got a fair challenge um, this week um, against uh, Freo, I think it is. Who so we did we did win um, over there early in the year, but that doesn't really mean anything. We we still have a fair fair challenge ahead of us. So yeah, we're we're taking it a week at a time at the moment.
5: Jack, is that part of your structure around around the ball? Last night, obviously, uh, contested possession numbers were were down compared to the Blues, but the uncontested aspect of the game and what you were able to drive from that through the second possession was was quite outstanding. Was that? that structure and that set up something you spoke about during the week in terms of, okay, Carlton are going to win the nuff ball in tight. What can we do to get, put the pressure on to get it back in the right spot, um, through turnover?
0: Um, not really, not really, to be honest. Um, I think, I think Carlton are just a really, really good midfield and they were able to get in there and, and win the, the hard balls. But, um, yeah, mate, we were, we were definitely better set up around that. Um, we knew they were going to bring a few extra numbers up to stoppage, so we needed to do the same. And um, maybe our balance was better throughout the the course of the game, um, and we were able to get better looks off uh, stoppage and around the ground.
4: Tony St. Kilda captain Jack Steele here on Crunch Time. Jack, you know, the plaudits are going to Jack Sinclair and Brad Hill, and mm. your two big guys after last night. Tim Membry kicks for. But Cal Wilkie again. I mean, Charlie kurno has been in red hot form, he's leading the Coleman. Cal literally hasn't missed a game since he joined you guys, and again, he got the job done last night. What makes him such a good defender?
0: Well, I'm not too sure. He's a very competitive bloke. Um, I know that. But, yeah, you're right. He's just so consistent, and he always just finds a way to get his job done. And like you said, um, kerno has been in great form, but I was pretty confident in Cal the whole time that he would get get the job done on on him. Um, yeah, he's definitely up there with um, All-Australian on us this year, I would have thought. He's just always getting his job done, and he's, he's just so consistent and someone that we can rely on.
5: And, Jack, how are you pulling up the shoulder after a couple of weeks back in?
0: Yeah, it's, our shoulder's all sweet. It's um, back to normal. Um, actually feels a lot stronger than the other one at the moment just because I've been doing so much rehab and, um, you know, strength stuff in it. So uh, it's starting to feel feel really good, which is, which is pleasing.
2: We just had a chat about Sam Walsh a little bit earlier, and the tactical battle between perhaps him and Brad Hill at the start. Did you was that a focus for you on making sure that if you let Sam Walsh come up to stoppage, that you've got a really dangerous halfback that's doing damage on the on the way out? Was that discussed prior to the game? Um, no, again, we
0: didn't really sort of speak too much about that. We knew that they were going to bring the their forward up to stoppage, so um, we were going to have that option off the shoulder of the, the stoppage, and whether it was Brad Hill, Jack Sinclair, um, we knew that we were going to have a, a um, you know, someone that we wanted the ball in their hands, and um, I suppose looking at the game and giving us the best best option, um, yeah, obviously Brad Hill and, and Jack were were in that position quite a lot and gave us some pretty good looks going forward, but um, yeah, we didn't really discuss too much about, I suppose the personnel and um, you know, if it was Sam Walsh, if it was George Hilda, whoever it was, um, we didn't really talk too much into that.
4: And, Jack, as we let you go, as Brett Ratton said afterwards last night, when you lose on Friday night, the weekend stinks. But when you win, uh, it's very enjoyable. Uh, how do you spend the rest of the weekend off the
0: back of a win like that? Um, just just heading down to the pincher now just to, to go out for lunch um, at a winery. But um, a few of the boys getting together later on this afternoon um, just for a few quiet beers, so... Might head up there and and say go to them afterwards and um, enjoy the weekend. Beautiful. Thanks for your time, Jack.
4: Well done last night, as you mentioned. A couple of big games coming up now at Marvel, Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs. Uh, Well done again and thanks for your time.
0: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
4: Great to talk to St Kilda skipper Jack Steele, as we say. Join the Saints as they march towards 60,000 members. Visit saintsmembership.com to sign up today. You're listening to Crunch Time for 7-Eleven Hot Food, hot and ready near you. After the break, we'll wind the clock back to Thursday night when the Lions got over the top of the Bulldogs.
3: I don't even make the most of our opportunities unfortunately in that first half and um, you know, you just got to pick yourself up and carry on and I felt like Brisbane's pressure and um, contest improved um, even to another level in the in the second half. We couldn't get any fluency, and uh, and the quality of our use really was pretty disappointing all all game. You know, we're kicking set shots out on the fall, and uh, you know kicks inside fifty that are too skinny and going on the fall, and um, you know. So we had another, enough sort of momentum in the in the turnover game and from the stoppage to. Um, to even maybe have a little bit of scoreboard pressure on the opposition. Obviously, keep kicked a few points, as they did early. And then, yeah, I mean, uh, there's some Charlie Cameron brilliance, but it was Brisbane Lions as a collective, I think, just probably raising it uh, to another level in the second half. We couldn't quite go with it.
4: That was uh, Western Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge on Thursday night after the Dogs went down by 41 points to the Lions, plus 13 clearance, plus plus. Seven inside 50s, but only 44% efficiency inside 50, where the lines were completely opposite. They went at 64%. Just before we get stuck into t- these two teams, boys, just got a text uh, here off our text message machine from Simon saying, Is it just me, or is it a bit of a concern that Jack Steele said the Saints boys were going to have a few beers this Savo? I'm not sure if that sends a good message to their members, says Simon.
2: No, I don't think you have an issue with it if it's a long break. But eight When's days. It, eight yeah. Day break. So yeah. Now most teams would have the rule that you know anything under a sort of six day break or a seven day break they wouldn't they wouldn't drink. I think that's across the board. Now if you, if you get an opportunity, the rare one to have a Friday night game and an eight day break, I think a few quiet drinks together is no issue with that. I wouldn't have thought.
4: Where are we at with the Dogs, boys? Uh, they've only had two wins against top eight teams this year. Uh, they've had five losses against uh, top eight teams. So they went into the game in good form. But winning games against teams, you'd expect them to beat. Where are they at right now? We know they can still play finals. They can still make it. But where, where are they at as a group right now?
5: Oh, look, they've had some good performances throughout the year and they've had some really poor performances throughout uh, throughout the season as well, which has put them in this spot now of trying to battle with a run home that's quite tight to, to try and play finals Finals football and it's, you know, the last the last period has been quite uh, quite good, but then on the on the weekend I think Bevo sort of nailed it in that sense. Watching it on Thursday night, it was they they started the game really well, didn't capitalise early with some with some opportunities. Brisbane actually looked quite flat in that mm. first quarter. They looked off the off the uh, off the beat, and the Bulldogs mids were actually um, controlling the game. But after quarter time, when they got their game going, the Bulldogs couldn't handle that that increase in pressure or that that increased of of ball around the contest. Now for for Brisbane, that's a question as well, because they sort of waited till quarter to to, quarter time to, to fix some issues that were, were going on in the, in the game for them as a, as a club. You'd love to see them start to address that sort of in mid quarter and change the momentum and shift of, uh, of the game. That's where their improvement will come from. But from a Bulldogs point of view, the last few weeks they've started poorly and played well this week, they started well and played poorly after quarter time. So you know, there's still a lot of work to do. And if they play finals from here, I'm still I've, – I've said this and I'll continue to say it, They'll be a threat mm. because of who they have to beat to play finals footy. Their confidence will go through the roof. But reality is they've got some 50-50 games. And at the moment, you know, it doesn't look like they're going to make it.
4: And English Smith, Daniel Duray, Richards, Vandermeer, Hannon all didn't play the other night. The first three in particular are probably mm. three of their their top six players. Kate, where do you see them at the moment? What, what's, what's been their biggest issue this year that just hasn't – seeing them return to the team that made a grand final last
2: year? I just don't think their team is balanced. Um, mm. We would we would kill for their midfield. Every team would be jealous of that. Um, but it has to be so reliant on them getting it done. Um, you know, with the with the names that you mentioned out of the back line, they were exposed, particularly by the small forwards. I think, you know, the Tulls did a pretty good job on, on Danaher and Hipwood and McStay hardly touched it. So that, that was fine. But it was the ability of Link McCarthy and Charlie Cameron to... Get mismatches and get the ball on the ground in the forward line, then they just did damage. So, I, look, I, from a from a list management point of view, I think they've got some key decisions to make. I I don't expect them to play finals, albeit I, I probably wrote them off last year when they missed the top four and they they made a fool out of me a little bit. But Sydney, St Kilda, Melbourne, Geelong, Fremantle, are their next five. I mean, that doesn't get much harder than that. They're all. Basically, top eight sides. Well, they are top eight sides. That's that's going to be really tough. And to your point, Jono, if they make it, they'll deserve it. Can they get some personnel back, in particular English? Uh, but I thought it was Brisbane's ability from the centre bounce that really got them going. And I thought Oscar McInerney sort of feasted off, you know, the lack of lack of ruck support with sweet, and he was able to clear the ball through longer hitouts, which I haven't seen. <laughs> Probably since Brisbane, sort of 2001, 2002 sort since of era. was doing the They used to, like,
3: <laughs> smash the ball forward. Why don't more Ruckman do that? I don't
2: know. I, I think it's because you would set up <laughs> for that if you knew it was happening every week. Like, back in the day, Brisbane, just smash it forward. Voss and Black lift their arms at stoppage Just handball at 15 metres forward. Just get that momentum. But, yeah, that doesn't happen. So, so I thought the Brisbane's ability to clear the first area. Like, Libba had five clearances in about the first 10 yeah. minutes and a goal on uh, Thursday night. So then they identified, well, if we can get it out into space a little bit and, you know, Brisbane players were more familiar with the slippery surface at the Gabba and Neil went to work. I thought McCluggage was magnificent and just thought, you know, not not his biggest night in terms of numbers, but that's where I thought they they really flicked a switch and they were able to get those m- mismatches that they liked in the forward line. So for the Dogs, defensively they're not strong enough. I mean that that's that's really where it's at. And, and Brisbane to that point similarly as well. Like Brisbane aren't strong enough defensively yet to win a premiership. But the Western Bulldogs allowed them to go coast to coast, intercept mark the ball in your back 50, switch it out to the other side on two occasions, and they went down and kicked an easy goal, unbroken chain. That's where you start to think. This group hasn't fully bought into the f- defensive aspects of the game that Fremantle and Melbourne and, to a lesser extent, Geelong and Richmond are doing at the moment. And that's, as we know, pretty much how you win a premiership. I think that's partly personnel and, and balance to, to go yeah. with what you're talking about before, Kane, because you look at
5: Liber has 33, McRae 32, Dale 32 off half-back, Dunkley 27, Drelor 26 and Bond 26. They're massive numbers from the key players at They all get the massive every do, week, though, don't they? Yeah, then yeah. That's, but that goes to your point around The balance because the drop off from that, there's the and I know Dale was out who's I mean not Dale, um, Caleb Daniel Daniel was out, so there's another Mm twenty-five, you know, off half back and and bits and and pieces that go with it. But but there's the there's the growth in the bulldogs on the outside. The balance on the wing, on the on the flank, on the wing. Hunter came back on the on the wing was good early, Mm. but he'll get better for, for that Lockie Hunter. But Cody Waitman since the elbows dropped Dropped a, dropped away. McCombs improving as a player, but still not hitting the scoreboard as much. Johannesson, nine disposals, one goal. So midfield strength is unbelievable. They need now to try and develop. And they've got halfback strength, I think, in terms of run yep. um, and use of the ball. But outside of that, they're still searching, I think, for that right balance. Key defensive post is important. Plus also that that key forward mix. Which is Norton or no one at the moment?
2: So yeah, spoke, spoke yeah. sorry, Jules spoke to Kingy about this just yesterday on on the on our breakfast show, and he said they need an intercept defender, like an intercept marking defender, and it's probably a reasonable point. Like O'Brien was recruited for that, but hasn't been it. And Keith Keith was great, like defensively, but hasn't been the intercept player that he probably was at Adelaide. So mm. who's going to be their intercepting defender that all the good teams have? Geelong's got Stewart, you know, Richmond have got Grimes, they've got Vlosten. We know about Melbourne with Lever and May. The best teams have got it. Fremantle's defence is unbelievable with what they've got with Ryan and Logue and Pierce, who plays that defensive role. So that, that, that's, that's probably a good point from Kingy that he's you know, saying, where, where is that intercept defender that all the best teams have? They don't have one.
5: So Richard's done it once, hasn't he, this year, where he, he had an unbelievable yeah. game from an intercept point of view. But he yeah. just seems to, look, he's a great intercept marker, he reads the ball really well. But I don't think that's the answer, is it, Kane? Like it's, mm. it seems like they need a a, a big athletic type of player. Now they got that up forward with Aaron Norton, but that's not going to that's not going to change. Even with Bruce coming back in, even if Jamari Ugelhagen hits fire, I still think Norton plays that role under under yeah. Luke Beveridge, and he's the ultimate one, isn't he? That would intercept everything mm. that would go um, go into their back half.
4: So if they bring Rory Lobb in, as is being reported, and Johnny Ralph was strong on this the other night, is that an is that a hint that Norton might go back?
2: Maybe does Rory yeah. Lobb
4: really satisfy a need of the Bulldogs?
2: Well, a key position need, but not a forward, not a forward need. So it depends what how they view Darcy as well. I mean, high, mm. high draft pick with a lot of talent, but you know, from what I've never seen him play. But Raw, from what we know, uh, Hugo Hagen, I don't think is going to go back. I think there's definitely enough to work with him. I just you know he doesn't touch the footy enough, but some things that he does, you know, he's going to get there eventually if he's willing to work hard. So to answer your question. I don't know. It, it helps them manoeuvre English around a little bit because English can be that drop behind the play, really good intercept ruckman, and he can also go forward and Lobb can do that second ruck work. So I don't I don't hate it, but I don't know if it solves their defensive problems because they're one or two key defenders short. Did they let Lewis Young go too early? Yeah, well, probably in hindsight. He's been, been really good for Carlton and get nothing for him. So it's basically a free hit for the Blues and... Thankfully for them, they got him because that'd been all sorts if they didn't. So, I mean, you make these decisions at the time. He wasn't, you know, wasn't having a, a massive role at the Bulldogs, but yeah, in hindsight, it was a bad one. Yeah,
4: seven intercepts uh, last night for Lewis Young. So yeah. Sydney at the SCG next up for the Bulldogs. What about Brisbane? Did that performance restore some faith? If you look at their results this year, they they're in the top four, but they've lost to the other three teams in the top four: Melbourne, Geelong, and Fremantle.
2: Not sold. Last week did a bit of damage for me. I mean, to just see them on the MCG where they haven't won since twenty fourteen, completely beaten up by a team that just if they play to that level, no one's going to beat them. So that that did a bit of damage in my confidence in them. I I question their key forwards on in a big final. Jono, can you rely on Danaher? You know you're going to get you know you're going to get some good, you're going to get some bad, you're going to get some inaccuracies in front of goal and McStay's just not a goal scorer. So that that's an issue if you're a key forward and. Um, and Hipwood is sort of finding his feet from that ACL albeit has improved since his comeback so I question their key forwards and whether they can stand up in a final and the other aspect and I agree with and I agree with that in terms
5: of uh, recent history as well and you look at their draw in the next 3 weeks they should win they, they could in the next 3 weeks potentially secure their home final top 2 berth that, that's mm. that's number 1 priority for for the Brisbane Lions to to go all the way this year and make a grand final they have to finish top 2 for me to get to to get that home final yeah. um, and, but they haven't proven that, that
4: that helps them they haven't they haven't no, won, no, they haven't won but, the finals but up but
5: there their, their actual form in the finals their, their game has been okay it's been the it's the been the accuracy isn't it that, yeah. that has that has hurt them now will that hurt them again there's a possibility because of the way we're talking about the key forwards that will add that layer of maybe 6 to 8 goals in a final you know that that's what it needs to be it can't be two goals Four or two goals, six in a final has to be six goals two between the keys in a, in finals that we know tightens up and and goals are, are like gold. Um, so I think that's um I think that's a really sort of important element to to the Brisbane Lions' future.
4: How big a concern is another soft tissue for Dane Zorco? I mean, he can say on the coverage after the game he doesn't think it's that bad, and he was still saying he's a chance to play this week. That that's not going to happen. No. Daniel Rich as well, but it's his first one for the year. How how big a concern that Zorco? About two minutes in, redid that string.
2: Yeah. Well, I always get worried. So, you know, the most risk is you've done one before in your age. Um, so that's you know fighting against Dane Zorco. Link McCarthy said yesterday that he was having a chat to him pre-game and they were inspecting the surface at at the Gabba and it was a bit slippery. He was like, uh, I don't know, and he's just a bit of hesitation about whether he was actually ready to play. This is Dane Zorko speaking to his teammate yesterday. Yeah, 19 days, as you said. You know, in hindsight, you'd love to give him one more. Chris Fagan said at quarter time that there was no um, warning signs, I guess, that he trained so well. But he had that Achilles. And once you have disrupted seasons and pre-seasons, you're always at risk of bobbing up with soft tissue stuff. Matty Lloyd said on the Sunday footy show a couple of weeks ago that they, that he, they should do a danger field with him and give him a mini block of you know, almost another pre-season of four weeks and be patient. And in hindsight, that's a really good call from Lordy to say that, and we'll wait and see whether that is beneficial for Geelong and Dangerfield. But yeah, it's it's an issue, and well, he's going to have to miss at least four, I would think. Mm. So they um, should do that now, shouldn't they? Really? Well, yeah. But once they can get him up to a point where he can actually mm. now exercise, because of you know, you're going to have to give it a, sort of one or two weeks before he can start running again. So. But Daniel Rich is massive too in all in all of yeah. this. Like missing him missing now with
5: these his ability to kick in the depth, the ability ability to change angles with his with his leg as well. Sets the lines up, and no one goes near him. So he gets forward of centre and um, either kicks the goal or, or delivers inside fifty with effectiveness. So that that's a huge. He's my favourite Lions player for the for the flexibility that he adds to to that lineup. So there's twenty five, twenty to twenty five possessions, but twenty of those are kicks and effective kicks that they're going to you know lose out on as well with him not in the lineup.
2: Are we see the, Coleman was. I was going to say, have we yeah. seen yeah. the emergence of his long term oh.
5: replacement for the next ten years?
2: Wow, well, he's He's under. He's understated what he's done. So he laid a couple of tackles the other night. And he only had two for the game. But one was on Hunter. It was an open field tackle, and he Hunter tried to take him on, and he nailed him. Then he made, laid another really aggressive tackle moments after, and just a beautiful ball user with penetration. I love. I love his game, and he's been building. So they're they're fortunate they've got him. Archie is is flexible as well. Can play across half So I think they do have coverage that that's why i thought the the win was extra um special the other night because of those two injuries that they had early on in the game for two of their leaders and and most experienced players
4: just before we get to the the break is it is it no contest is charlie cameron the best small forward in the competition
2: i like picking at melbourne (laughs) yeah very good who would you pick who would you pick now um
4: Stengel's had a good year, but he hasn't got the Real, body of work. Yeah, was yeah, has very good.
2: Mm. Um, yeah, I, was, I sort of sat in an All-Australian meeting a few few weeks ago. It's, it's not clear-cut, is it, in terms of the, the All-Australian small forward this year? But Cameron's done it before, and if he keeps playing like this. You know, Toby Green, is he a small forward? I don't know what, how you rate – I'd have Toby Green, forward. number one, but whether he's a small forward, but – yeah, that was as good a game as I've seen this year. In terms of just physicality, ball use, um, flair and dare. I mean, he had a favorable matchup, but it was thrilling to watch. Like, he he, fought, he fought through a lot, yeah. didn't he? He yeah. fought through
5: the tackle. He fought through opposition trying to block him as well. And, you know, listening to the coach, it was all about a little bit about redemption. So that's that. We talk about that mental approach to, to building your side up. They obviously looked back at the final and wanted to, as he said, it's not, a, it's not a huge thing, but it's a little thing. And it might have been the little thing that just mentally got him into a spot to um, to push through.
4: So after the break, uh, we'll talk about all the big issues uh, of the week. The red card. Eric Hipwood. we've got to talk about that being straight uh, to the tribunal. Uh, the rule change brought on by Kane Corns and all the pressure on a couple of coaches uh, <laughs> right now. You are listening to Crunch Time for 7-Eleven Hot Food, hot and ready near you.
2: Welcome to Crunch Time. Welcome
4: back to Crunch Time. If you're joining us for the first time, good afternoon. In the first hour, we've looked back at the Saints' big winner over Carlton. Spoke to their skipper, Jack Steele, and also analysed Thursday night when the Lions got back on the winner's list over the Western Bulldogs. A big week of issues, uh, Brad Johnson and Kane Corns. Given we just spoke about Thursday night, let's talk about the big incident out of that game. A very unusual incident with Eric Hipwood, I think, most people thought sort of post-Thursday night that, okay, this is going to be a fine. Uh, it didn't look good, but that's sort of the way the system works. But sent straight to the tribunal, A, do you think that's the right call? And B, now that it is, uh, what what sort of outcome are we expecting?
2: Well, I don't know. I, I So I was having a discussion about this with the guys at the AFL who know a little bit more about the system and the method than I do. Um, I think it can still be a fine. I, I don't know. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So why... Yeah, I think he Uh, needs to explain it. Yeah, I I think, yeah, I, I, I was watching it. I didn't have a massive issue with it. And then I was like, then my phone started blowing up. People going, this is so ordinary and shouldn't be doing this. But I used to do it all the time, like sort of push your man into the umpire and try and maneuver yourself to give yourself any edge that you could. I understand we've got to protect them. And the more I think about it, the more it doesn't look great for him. But if the rule book says a fine, which I think it does, then it's probably a fine. So I'm not sure why he needs to go to the tribunal. We had a good discussion about stuff. it last night as well. And look, you know, Gary, Gary was
5: strong that he probably thinks it's a, a suspension. Mm. And then mm. I said, I said a fine. Eddie said a fine, and Nick said get off. So there, therefore, you know, the discussion or the the tribunal hearing could go for some time mm. because there's a lot of elements in this. Yes, he used the umpire. Well, he he, he pushed Gardner off, but he. Did, ump- he d- did he? Did he do it deliberately? No. Did no, he
4: push I, him deliberately into the umpire? I don't think that, he that's what deliberately needs to be into the
5: umpire. He, yeah. he tried to push him because at that stage, when he actually p- does his first push, there's separation. That there's a gap between the umpire, so he's trying to push Gardner to one side and then move the other way himself. Exactly the way that Kane was talking. We see it in centre bounce a bit, and if an umpire trips over, it's it's a fine to the to the players for for the uh, the contact. So I think it'll be judged in the same. Same way, the umpire does step back at the right time. Now Eric Hipwood can't expect the umpire mm-hmm. to be stepping back the way that he does, and then the contact is made from from that point. So I think the push was was um, was there to separate, no question. But in his mind, I'm not thinking he's thinking I'm going to deliberately th- push this guy into the um, umpire. I think he was more of that mindset: I'm going to push the guy and work the other side of the umpire. So it'll be an interesting discussion at the tribunal to listen to Eric and see his explanation. Of it all, um, understand what the AFL are trying to achieve with um, with the umpire and and his explanation of it all. He didn't see it, of course, because he's facing watching the watching the ball. So you have to have that element of care, no question, in those situations, because the umpire is watching the ball and play and can't be expecting contact at that point at all. He got a goal out of it too. Yeah, and he got a goal out of it. That's the other side of it. That's the thing that makes it
2: even more topical, I guess, because he bobs up inside 50 all alone as a result of the two people that went down, one, the umpire, one, his opponent, he kicks a goal, and he thought it was quite humorous on the interchange bench after because he went straight to have a spell on the bench, and had a laugh about it. So I'm more with you, John. I, I think it is one where, yep, cop your fine, explain yourself, don't do it again. But it's a rare occurrence that we see an incident such as this.
4: And the fact we're talking about it and the fact it's going to the tribunal, does, does the AFL just use this as a warning to the rest of the players? We can't have you doing this. We Well, that's can't have probably
2: you... why I think they've sent it there. Mm. Otherwise, you just give them a fine and then you sort of move on. So they must be making a bigger deal out of it and, and really – Honing the emphasis that we've got to protect our umpires, which I guess is fair enough.
4: They play the Bombers next week, so give him a week. I think that's (laughs) fair. Zorko, Rich, Hippwood out. I can make a case for the Bombers (laughs) up at the Gabba next week. Uh, Let's get the coaching landscape, boys. is getting fascinating. Obviously, last night, I mean, and St Kilda, in fairness to them this week, they got on the front foot on Monday. Simon Lethleen was on SEN, and Brett Ratton is their man. That is still going to happen, but that takes a little bit of pressure off uh, the win last week. I guess the two we've got to focus on is, is David Noble and Ben Rutton. Let's let's start with with Ben Rutton. Matthew Lloyd put it on the agenda last week that he should be under extreme pressure. Where do you sit with Ben Rutten?
2: Um I'm a bit the same. I I question their defensive capabilities. And that, that when Ben Rutton was given the job, there was no real process behind it. It was the succession plan, which at the time I remember saying what. Well, I'm not sure why they're just guaranteeing him the job straight away without going, you know, letting John Warswald coach out the last year and then opening up the process behind it. But we're all told he was a great defensive mind and gonna be a really strong defensive coach. So that's that's where I get concerned, is how easily or how easy they are to play against. Worst in the comp at putting pressure on, worst in the comp basically take west coast and north melbourne out of it at defending backline transition that's where you've got issues so i just he wouldn't want to have many more bad losses and there's been a number of those i don't don't know if he i'm not sure i don't know if he can coach but lloyd is right to say that he should be under pressure and there should be a full review of what has gone on at this club this year because they've been so disappointing well that's it it's it's both clubs under
5: review isn't it so that puts pressure instantly on on the coach they're under review for for a reason so it's uh, Just from North Melbourne, I've only seen it once this year. That fanatical pressure, and that was against the Sydney Swans at the yeah. SCG. They threw Zeeble forward; he kicks five, and you know, in the game. And I haven't seen that from from Essendon throughout uh, throughout the home and away. So that that's, and I know that's the most basic St. Kilda game of was it. good. The yeah. Saint Kilda
2: game was the one mm. where you thought, gee, they're coming from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That was, that, uh, that, yeah. the frontal pre- which we hadn't seen. So they they can do it. That's the that's the concern and. Remember after that game saying it's almost an indictment on the group that you haven't been doing this for. The, you can't, no team does it every week. Even Melbourne don't do it every week. But for the majority of the season, they had to bring that, and then they did show a really good method on how to score after that. And remember Redmond and all the, all these players. hind were just taking the game on. But then you go, oh, okay, we're we're excited, and then bang, you, you lose to West Coast. I mean, so well, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm but not it's sure. Not, it's
4: not only losing to West Coast, is it? I mean, for Ben Rutten and the rest of the year, wins and losses are important. But when you lose, surely yeah. it's the way you lose. But
5: West Coast like, were 18th. Like, they that, that were below North Melbourne. That's what I'm
4: Melbourne. saying. But they conceded 100 points. West Coast hadn't kicked that in 26 from forty, yeah, from exactly. 40 en- Like, from 40 entries. They dominated every statistical yeah. marker, but they couldn't defend the ground.
2: It's too easy to play. It's so easy to play against. That's why I get concerned for... Ben Rutten and if you're looking at it now whether it's a review or not whether it's a half semi review who knows a lot of people are questioning the review itself and is it thorough enough and should they have done what Carlton did and been brave enough to externally review the place and look at everything which you know you would probably favour as much as it is uncomfortable for everyone but it got a good result for the Blues whereas Essendon just seemed to be ticking the box and and doing a, a semi review. So if you're in charge at
4: Essendon are you asking the question of Alistair Clarkson?
2: Hundred percent. Do you think 100%. they are? Well, they should have done it four weeks ago, five, five, six weeks ago. Like, same as same as North Melbourne. Like, the, had Ben Mafia on about a month ago. I said, Have you spoken to Clarko yet? He said, No. I said, Why not? Like, how could you not have? How could you not have picked the phone up and and rang him? And that goes for it goes for St Kilda. It goes for a lot of clubs in the position. Um, and it feels like the race is sort of GWS. North Melbourne, Essendon now, and is someone prepared to jump sooner rather than later to give themselves the opportunity to get him? I don't know, but you would have definitely picked up the phone and and sounded him out.
4: What about David Noble? The the fresh report on Thursday night out of the West from Mark Duffield, who's a a great journo over in the West. North Melbourne naturally have denied they've made any approach, but which club ever admits they make an approach to another coach when (laughs) they've still got a current coach? So that's never going to happen. Does it is there a sense of inevitability around David Noble now?
2: What do you reckon, John? I, what, I When like I sit next to Caroline Wilson on Monday night, she's been saying it for four weeks. She said the same thing about Clarko. Uh, so when senior people like that start to say that it is only heading one way, then you know I don't usually question that. And probably nine times out of ten, those reports are accurate. So, yeah, you'd think he's in a bit of trouble. The main role
5: was, for me, looking from the outside, was like what Fagan did at Brisbane Mm. was to make these players love the game again. And so I think that that needs to be stripped back. And that's what we need to see first from, from North Melbourne. These, these guys do have talent. They're in the system for a reason. And I think that's, that was the first role that, that David had to tick off number one. So, and it's easy to then get caught up in the win loss game and, you know, our performance or getting frustrated with performance and, and all those things. So, I understand that side of things, but I think it needs to be stripped back again for a club like North Melbourne. So is it an Adam Simpson who can make them do that? Is it Dave Noble who can make them achieve that first, that's the first port of call because North Melbourne players have to walk through that door every day knowing that they're energized, they're on a pathway, Mm. although it might be, yes, frustrating at times and you mightn't see the, the end goal for a couple of years, but... We've All been through that at the Bulldogs. We didn't play finals from 2000 to 2006, so six years. Yeah. But we walked through the door every day yeah. knowing that okay, we've got Cooney, we've got Griffin, we've got um, Hargrave, we've got Gill. We knew that we knew we had a, a nucleus that would get us to a point eventually. And I'm not sure North are there, although they've got some strong talent on their yeah. list. They're not there, so when they walk in, I'm they're second guessing themselves, they're not loving. I don't personally, I don't think they're loving the the moment of walking through the door to train hard to, to go about it. It's a, mm. it's a it's a it's a it's a grind. The coach sets that though, doesn't he? He, he has mm. a big part to play in that, no no doubt. So do your strong leaders um yeah. in, in your playing group. So we've all been through that element of not playing finals for a period of time. But it's what happens in that in that period that energizes you to think, yeah, we're on the right track. We're going we're going the right place, especially the, the gun players in your team that drive those standards going forward. So you might be winning every week, but then you you know that Cooney's you know had 32 weeks in a row and away you go you know mm-hmm. so it's the same for Tarrant Thomas or Simpkin who's mm-hmm. improved or you Davies, Uniac's improved this year mm. so North should be sitting there going "Wow, well, he's gone from 15 disposals to 25 a week in the next two years that could become 25 to 30 consistently with a bit more game break to the way he plays that's the narrative that we're not hearing because of the frustration around um,
2: you know their performance. And the, and the coach-like, it's clearly not David Noble's fault no. to, the, to this point. So to make the change, I mean, it's easy to sack the coach because you can do it today and then you can get a new one in and everyone says, oh, okay, well, at least they're doing something, they're making change. But that doesn't often solve the problem. Like I've heard Lee Matthews speak about it before. In terms of success, how much percentage goes to the coach? Now we probably say eighty percent in the media, whereas he would say I reckon it's ten. Mm-hmm. I've heard him say coach should is responsible for ten percent. it's the assistant coaches, it's your recruiters, it's the talent level, it's your club, it's the leadership, it's the culture, it's the resources. but we don't often focus on that. So to you know, it's an easy solution and it's probably gonna happen the way that you you sack the coach because that is something you can do right now and, and move them on, whereas you can't Turn over your list. I mean, North Melbourne moved on, I think it was 20 players in 14 months. So half your squad is gone in less than two years. And you wonder why they're where they are now. Now they clearly cut too deep and the decisions that they made from list management perspective were poor. And there's some reasons behind that because it's not easy to get players to North Melbourne and a couple of the other recruits have been injured and all of that. But how much, if you're doing a, a blame pie, how much of the blame pie should be portioned to David Noble? It's probably I don't know. It's probably 10%, no more, but he's the one that's going to cop it. It feels like that anyway. The most important role they need to fill at North Melbourne is the list manager's role. 100%. That is
5: the number one focus. Don't worry about sacking the coach Mm. yet or anything like that. Focus on that role because the draft is going to come around at the blink of an eye. And, and priority picks and all that, John. Like you give give them, give, them,
2: give them as many priority picks as you want. If they pick the wrong player, then you're still going to be stuffed. Exactly. So, and they have yeah. to get
5: this right the next two years with their with their draft. They've always had already had one draft and they need to keep the number one pick. Mm-hmm. They're going to get that for the next two years. So this is where we start to talk around playing poorly as a team for a few years, but the benefits you can get and where it can actually take you in another three years' time. So that's the number one role they have to get and get get now and and the best they have to target the best people out there to get them in to build this build this list because then it allows david noble to focus on coaching is he focused on that at the moment is he worried about you know the list and where we're at and all that he's got to channel his energies towards coaching but coaching what is brought through the door and that list manager role becomes the number one critical appointment the North Melbourne Footy Club,
4: it's a watch this space. So player movement as well always gets interesting at this time of the year. Round sixteen, if you're not signed now, you start to worry. Obviously, Melbourne made the big move with Clayton Oliver, the only player in the game that's contracted for next decade. So well under Clayton <laughs> Oliver, uh, Protrack is out to 2029 20, as well. If you're a Melbourne supporter right now, are you fearing Luke Jackson has one foot out the door?
2: Yes, yes. And I wasn't. I didn't feel that way um, three weeks ago. But a lot of people you speak to behind the scenes say gone, like gone already. So that, that that is a surprise um, to me in terms of, you know, really good, strong premiership winning teams don't often lose many. I mean, it has happened yeah. before, but you don't, you don't lose many and you're more likely to stay for less for that success. But if you're looking at it, if you're him, if you're a bit homesick, potential to win two flags by the time you're 21 and then perhaps go to Fremantle and drive them to their first premiership as well as earning a lot of money and playing at home. It's a good pitch. Like it's, a, it's a good pitch for <laughs> yeah. him. Like it'd be really
4: hard to say no to that. So should we put this question out during the week on the run home. Should Melbourne supporters be filthy? Or the fact that he has played a role in a premiership that probably Melbourne supporters thought they might never see? Does that something <laughs> to blow? Be, they'd
5: be filthy, but they'd Would eases they boo him? Jules. Yeah, would they boo yeah, him? I go I'm not, I'm not, there'll be a handful that. that because might, he's a, he's a but, key role in them winning more flags. No, he is. Yeah, yeah exactly. He could be and, a generational player. Yeah, no question. But I think it eases it because mm. the, he's part of breaking the drought for 50 or 60 years. So, you know, that, that eases things. Um, but still, they'd be. Of course they would be. Mm. Yeah. Because he's, he's a. Is so good for what they're doing now and what they'll do into the future when Max ends up finishing and, you know, part of that whole structure. He's part of Melbourne staying up here for a very long time at the top of the table. And if he leaves, it puts a dent in that. And Melbourne fans don't want that. No. So of course they'll be a bit annoyed mm. that he's decided to um, to make that move at such a young age when the club's put the three years, you know, into his development to get him to this point.
4: Yeah, it's huge for Fremantle if they get him across the line at- You've been big on Daniel McStay, Kane. Uh, mm. It just appears like it, it's going to be Collingwood, and I know. Well, we know your thoughts on well, him as a player.
2: So, the, is he is he a better than average player? Like, is he a better than average key forward? I would say no. I mean, Ginnivan's kicked more goals than him. Like you said, there's so many players. If you're judging him and your impact in the air and scoreboard impact. He just has never been a goal scorer. So this isn't a new thing. This is eight years in the system and the most goals he's kicked in any season is 28. I mean, Johnny, you probably would have kicked near the 70. his body of work there. Yeah, you yeah. would have kicked near 70 before. So he's, he's, kicked
4: <laughs> in a, he's kicked 127 in 152 games. Look, he did play some footy at, at centre-half. But it's interesting when you compare him to who he might team up with at Collingwood. So is his, Brody role, at Collingwood. Now,
5: is his role at Collingwood a forward then?
4: Yeah, it is. Is that, Is that is that what so. they're... Yeah, they're getting there to be a four. Okay, yeah. yeah. So my text: 152 goals in 92 games, and would not be on as much money as Daniel McStay's uh, going on. And
2: in. and so and how they're going to accommodate Cameron and Grundy like that? That has to be in their thinking. So they both so they're both signed, committed. I don't think anyone's going to. Take Brodie Grundy, and I don't think Brodie Grundy would want to leave Collingwood. So they're going to have to work out a way to play them together. So Cameron is the more natural of a forward. So you're going to have him down there as well, and then you put Mick Stay in there. So I don't know. I just would get really nervous about committing five years. the, the money, you know, it's not taking it a take, Yeah, take it. it. It's it's good money. It's it's way better than average money. My point is, is he a better than average player? I would say no. If the average wage in the the AFL is three seventy. I think he's about average, and every stat that you look at would say that he's probably below average. Um, so I just think it's a huge commitment, and the way that we overvalue players just because they're out of contract. I mean, the money that Carl Amon will get mm. just because he's out of contract when he was dropped by Port Adelaide this year. I mean, good, good player, and you know, nice little piece of the puzzle. But you know, he's he's no better than sort of Lipinski and what he's done for Collingwood. But he's going to get you know six hundred thousand. So I just think we get. Clubs, not we. Clubs get sucked into overpaying just because that player is available and committing five <laughs> years to Dan McStay. Like I'm looking at Jono's numbers. He kicked 74 goals in 2006. McStay's the most he's kicked is 28, and he's kicked. He's been goalless four out of his last six. So all I'm saying is sometimes be a bit of luck with what not, year not you come with out, 70, new. who's not coming with, out, of, yeah, who's out around you, definitely as well. De- definitely that. And what um, what sort of length of deal is McStay looking? Five, 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 five years. Well, out he's, out
5: he's not going to get that at Brisbane. So. No. Good luck to you. if that if that falls good on his, if that falls on his lap, oh, yeah. well, brilliant, well done. Yeah, good luck to him. But will he offer Collingwood what the Collingwood fans are expecting? I think the expectations have to remain at a at a reasonably low level, yeah. and then if he exceeds that, wow, you've you've got a bonus.
4: So Jordan Goey is back tonight. Speaking of players out of contract, Jared Waitley mm. said a couple of weeks ago he is unrecruitable if you are another club. So is he playing in the next eight ten weeks? How long Collingwood season lasts? Does he need to prove he's recruitable to other teams again? Or do you still think he's going to have one, two, maybe three yeah. suitors come the end
2: of the year? No, he will have that. He will have the latter, um, definitely. If we're talking about five years for mixed day. I mean, to go, going to get a deal at least better than that. Um, it, it, but I'd be an interested onlooker to see how he handles himself. And he'd, I mean, it goes without saying, but he'd want to make sure it's a pretty a pretty um, blemish-free record in the last part of the year. And then the on-field performance, I feel like he's the type of player that will be motivated mm. by this, backs up against the mm. wall and and maybe able to put on a show not dissimilar to what Jake Stringer did last year when there was the talk about, you know, his contract out of contract and he just went bang and turned it on for 10 weeks. I feel like Jordan Degoe may be able to do that, but we'll be interested to see how he goes today, tonight.
4: How good's his year been? Average. I'd, He's kicked twelve uh, goals in twelve games. Uh, second for at score involvements at Collingwood yeah. behind Lapinski. But how good's his year actually been? Well, well that's it's been a steady a, year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it steady. had to be that.
5: It, it but, had to be that. Off off the pre-season issues, it had to just be a. year. And that's why, you know, the the decision around going away was was an interesting one and probably the wrong one because from the club and from from Jordan because. He got to a point where it was just steady and calm, and everything was was flowing nicely for him in this in this season. Now it's been turned upside mm. down again. So I agree with Kane that it just needs to get back to that that point. I don't think we'll see. We might see a couple of breakout games where he might kick four or five, but I think we'll just continue to see a steady performance underneath from mm. from Jordan. But we need more than steady, don't
1: we? Kane? Well, yeah, well, you well, do for that, a oh, guy this talent, no he, no,
5: he can get back to that. Yeah. But I think for this year, it just has to be that. It just has to be he's... steady and calm underneath, and he just goes about his business
2: without any fanfare. Yeah, top five in the best and fairest once. Yeah, and never all Australian. Yeah, so, and um, I mean, his highest accolade is winning their goal kicking in 2018. So the talent that he's got versus the performance definitely doesn't match. So any talk of 800000 a year, that's where I get a bit confused with stuff like that. A lot of people say during the year, you know, he's a match winner, you've got to pay him almost whatever you want. No, you don't. Like, if Collingwood lose Jordan Goey, I don't think that's going to break their hearts. No. You get a really good compensation pick for him, you do some other things, get some other pieces in, and I don't think they'll be heartbreaking by it. And then you lose, you know, you don't have to worry about the distraction off the field either. Uh, you single-handedly changed your rule this week, Kane, with your petition. I did. I did. Uh, which was the unbelievable. Yeah. Not only...
4: what yeah. about
2: the power Out of the, the It's not like it took two weeks or anything. It yeah. took two hours. Exactly right. No, Goodness. well, have we seen... I might be wrong, but have we seen two games? Well, so we small. saw one that was missed you on think?
4: Thursday night. You can't just run through the mark. Yeah, yeah that, but I...
2: You've got to follow your man that's around. Another, no, that's
5: I, another conversation, though.
2: Yeah, I think you have a bit of leeway if... Your man is trying to get a cheap one around the back, and you're trying to stop him from doing that. So but you've, you've got to always follow been up, him around the back, no, don't but you? you've always been able to follow your man through if he goes through. I just felt like he got a bit wrong footed, and then I Doesn't thought that matter. for decision. me, that's
5: that's that's the was aspect. that a fifty? Yeah, definitely, it yeah, was I a fifty. Was. But that's, right. no, but that's the element around the confusion for the umpires because I they've lost they seem to have lost focus on the most basic rules that have been around forever because they're so attuned to he went around the back. He's not. He's in the protector zone. He's, and they miss it. So strip it back, completely. Because that was a 50 meter penalty mm. every day of the week, and it should have been paid as that. But it was missed because the umpire's thinking he's run that way. He's splitting this way. He's inside the protector zone. But we're not paying that anymore, and he's missed it. Uh. Completely missed it. So the the detail. I'm glad they've stripped it back because now the umpires have to focus on the basic rules that have been adjudicated for a very long time that need to be pulled up Mm. every single time. You can't miss moments like that, which are clear 50-metre penalties and
2: have been forever. I guess the broader discussion is changing interpretation of rules mid-year. It's not not a good look. As much as I'm thrilled that this has happened and it needed to happen, it should have never got to this point. And I think they need to be a bit smarter about when you change rules, we're going to get players that try and exploit it. So we're going to get players that hang around the back for a cheap one. We're going to get... Players that try and fake a handball so the guy moves from the stand rule. Or players going to come off the mark and not even stand the mark and flood back. As you change rules, someone will exploit it. And that's sometimes what I don't think the AFL understands.
4: Overall, though, it's been a good rule change for the game, hasn't it? No. You don't no, think, you don't think the don't, game's floated well, a bit better because of this rule?
2: Because of the stand no, rule? Yeah. yeah. No, I hate the stand rule. I can't. Don't, don't get me started, Jules. 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 I do the understand, Rule? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I done. think it's been a good I'm thing out. for the game. I'm out. Big <laughs> <laughs> <Good> week. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> you two carry on. You uh, still it got only, to, it here only here. took 90
4: <laughs> minutes and we've broken him.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Okay,
4: uh, thanks for your time now. Good go back. Enjoy yeah. your weekend. What petition are we going with this week?
2: <laughs> well, to get rid of the stand rule. Well, There you go. <laughs> there. Yeah, get plenty. You guys won't be signing
4: it. I won't thanks be. For, no. Thanks for your support. Lethal likes it. He's a pretty good uh, voice in the game. <laughs>
2: Good on you, Phil. <laughs> Good on you. Uh, we've silenced yeah, like, him, yes. We've got yeah. him. We've <laughs>
4: got him. We've actually got him. Unbelievable. He's got another eight forums to go on this weekend, and we've actually broken him uh, already there. Thanks again to Kane uh, for his time. Plenty more still coming up here on Crunch Time. We'll look at uh, some of the big matches we've got for the rest of the weekend. The Gold Coast in Collingwood uh, is an absolute cracker. The last game of the round, too, John, Fremantle, and Port Adelaide, a lot riding on that. Fremantle's top four. Port Adelaide just have to keep winning. There goes Dan- yeah, Kane slamming the door <laughs> behind him in utter anger over the- we actually brought up the stand rule. You're listening to Crunch Time for 7-Eleven Hot Food, hot and ready near you. We'll go through the rest of Round 16 after the break.
1: Hello everybody, Robbie Williams here and I'm excited to announce that this year I'll be performing at the 2022 Toyota AFL Grand Final in the Telstra pre-match Entertainment. I'm so excited to be performing for you on the hallowed turf of the MCG and I'll be joined by a cast of local Australian talent. I'm even handpicking some of my band for the show to be made up of Aussie musicians. I can't wait to see you all on the last Saturday in September performing at the greatest sporting event in the country, nay, the world. And if it goes well, I might even put my hand up to be the next
4: CEO. See you all at the footy. Welcome back to Crunch Time. So Julian De Stoop and Brad Johnson <laughs> with that, you. Jules? It had been speculated and now it's official that Robbie Williams is playing at the grand final. Were you happy with this? Oh,
5: happy with this? This
4: is gonna rock. This, this is, is gonna be
5: so good. Yeah, I saw him so in concert
4: once. Fantastic performer. Yep, so have I. He's gotta get Kylie Minogue with him. <laughs> you? They've had that duet <laughs> yeah, back about twenty they years did, ago.
5: Actually, yeah. that's a really good memory. But oh look, it's 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 gonna set the MCG alight. It really will. And it's just gonna be an amazing build up now with Robbie Williams a part of it all. Look out. I reckon even some of the players will step out <laughs> to, to watch Robbie <laughs> and, and move away from the change rooms.
4: Well, he's probably the biggest international act we've had since Meatloaf. Oh. So we hope it goes better.
5: <laughs> we hope it goes better than that. Lionel yeah. Richie was good as the backup. Lionel was then good. Yeah, again. that's right. He came he out got... as the um, replay. Yeah, he, well, he did. The rematch. And, and was magnificent. Was. The crowd loved him. So, good. And I was there watching that. So, But Robbie will be great for the yeah. outset. So there won't be any, any more issues like the meatloaf issues of a few years ago. Well
4: done. Well done, AFL. Fantastic. Get Now, we're gearing up for the games today thanks to Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. We're just talking during the break. Before we get stuck into the rest of this today's game. so the first one is Essendon versus Sydney at the MCG. Then it's Adelaide v Melbourne. And then tonight, Geelong versus North Melbourne down at GMHBA. And then a uh, big game on the Gold Coast between the Suns and Collingwood. Some three fantastic milestones this weekend. Well, Jack McRae, four, actually, 200 games. Every second game, he gets more than thirty. <laughs> Mitch Duncan, Jack Darling, and Luke Parker all play game two fifty.
5: It's a great milestone. It is. It really is. And yeah, you look. You probably separate Jack Darling a, a, a little bit, as much as he's achieved in the in the game, and maybe he's a bit removed from from um, you know our visual a fair bit as well. Watching on a four forty, mainly on a Sunday <laughs> after, <laughs> afternoon. So you you look at then what. Um, what Mitch Duncan has has been able to produce consistently at, at the Cats and and Luke Parker I think out of the trio sits number 1 uh, because of you know his ability to big game player you know multiple positions mainly in the midfield can push forward can kick your 3s 4s and 5s in a in a game of footy and it's just been outstanding he's he's got a great presence about him Luke Parker and he's one player that one you'd love to, to play with. You'd fear him from an opposition point of view because he can turn it on, but he's also tough in the contest and's brave and he does all the things that, you know, we love to watch in a footballer.
4: Jack Darling's got an amazing record. 250 games, mm. over 400 goals, All-Australian, Premiership player, yet he's still maligned.
5: He, he even buys some of his own supporters. But that's that's unfortunately just because of some a couple of the mistakes that he's that he's made in grand finals. Yeah, but he's at least he's played in them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's I suppose it's just like getting hit by a golf cart jewels or getting a, a, a mm. hanger taken on you. It doesn't matter what else you do in your career. <laughs> <laughs> it always goes back to back to those things yeah. which um in the end, you know, I can <laughs> I can certainly laugh <laughs> about Jack Darling's are a little bit different. I wasn't going to bring that but up. But the um but yeah, you're right. It's still two hundred and fifty brilliant games. Like you said, premiership player and you know, the amount of goals that he's been able to kick through that through that period and and probably play second fiddle, I suppose, to yep. to Josh Kennedy throughout throughout all of that, but play such an important role. He his best football has been at times when West Coast haven't had the second forward into Josh Kennedy there. He's had to stand up yep. and, and be the number one and has played some brilliant games during the um, during those times. But he still sits third in the pecking order of I think for me, Parker, Duncan, and than what he's done in terms of influence on, on the competition overall.
4: You speak of Luke Parker. There's been a lot of talk about Luke Parker this week and what happened with Dylan Shield well, only seven weeks ago.
5: At the you fir- forgotten that, at have you? At the first
4: talk? bounce, what happens today? Nothing happens. Well, if it does, it is so token.
5: But it's, like, well, it's not. Because it is. It, they no, can't no, we, talk get... about, we talk about that mental approach, okay? And we've spoken about it with St Kilda last night. We A little bit of redemption for the Brisbane Lions. So that still plays a small part in the build-up. To, to the coach just winding you up a little bit. Now, it probably doesn't happen as often as, as, you know, what I experienced as a player where you're wound up all the time, but it still plays a part in the game. And that comes out every now and then. So it comes out here. I remember we played Hawthorne many moons ago now, and Luke Hodge rubbed the head of one of um, our teammates, mm-hmm. one of my teammates. And after the game, Rodney goes, that never happens to us again. So th- there's those things that still mm. happen within the game. So from an Essendon point of view – it's That happened with Dylan Shield, and then I know Aston probably didn't handle it as well as what they could have or been as strong as what they could have, mm. but internally you're hoping they're saying, that never happens to us again. So you play against the side that it did occur, you've got to be strong on Luke Parker, mm. you've got to tag, you, you've, you've got to put pressure on him, Be the he's the last one up at every mm-hmm. contest. Yeah, and that's fine, there, that's There's good. all those things. It's not going to be any bifo or yeah. anything like that, a bit of push and shove, maybe. That's a... That's sort of about it that will come from it. But there's other ways that you can make it more difficult for Luke within the game that might just mentally give you that um, give you that edge as a player or a team. And that's and that's all it is in these in these situations. Let's talk about the bounce back for Duroveg,
4: providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. Can you make a case for the bombers today? I can. Now, maybe I'm a bit biased, but la- se- seven weeks ago, they were terrible really? against Sydney. I'll give you the previous five games between these two teams. Sydney by seven points, Sydney by three points, Essendon by six points, Essendon by ten points, Sydney by five points. Okay, it's tight. So they match up okay with this Sydney
5: team. And sometimes you get that. Sometimes mm. you just get that. Even if you're having a poor year, sometimes you can still manage a, a win against a team that you, Yeah, you're right. You match up well against. You've got good history against us as, as well if it was at marvel then That's a good I point. think that i think that even mm-hmm. tightens it even more from a from an essendon point of view because they play marvel well it's fast X, Sydney don't play as well at, at marvel stadium i think sydney played the mcg quite well mm. and if it was in sydney so this game being at the mcg opens the door even more for sydney i think if it was a marvel i'd be nearly sort of you know considering what you're talking about there of giving essendon a a realistic chance. But the way they played last week, the Swans, and didn't allow St Kilda to score, they've got that part of their game back again. I think they'll just be, they'll make it too tight for Essendon mm-hmm. to um, hit the scoreboard regularly.
4: Adelaide beat Melbourne last year over at Adelaide <laughs> Oval did. after probably the umpire <laughs> swallowed his whistle and didn't play a deliberate <laughs> in the last minute. but Still, it, they beat them. Any, any danger in this for Melbourne today?
5: No, there isn't. And Melbourne got their game back in a big way last week. And they'll, they'll continue on from that. And, you know, they've, they'll continue to get Many players back over the um, over the coming weeks as well, but Jack Viney, how good! Like yeah. last month it, it really has been. Mm. And you know what we talk about the grand the, the finals last year for Melbourne. Jack Viney was the main difference that came into the side off injury and had a huge final series and was able to shape them as a football club. And he's doing the same thing again now with Max Gorn out of the team. Jack Viney is the perfect replacement for what he does in terms of his courage mm-hmm. and his, his his toughness and. His just will to win is enormous, and so that stood out in the final series last year. It's standing out again now. He's he drove Melbourne to victory last week to get that four points to change the dynamic of what we'd seen for the three weeks previous, and so he'll do the same thing again because that's just his his ability. Adelaide, well, you know they, you know what they'll bring. They'll bring effort. No, no question. Mm. No question. And Fogarty kick four last week. Walker Walker kicked six, but it's against North Melbourne, so. You know they've got some they've got some challenges for Melbourne, no doubt in terms of some individual players. But collectively, they're they're not in Melbourne space, and it'll probably play out that way.
4: I was staggered on Thursday night when I saw the teams and Patrick Dangerfield's playing tonight.
5: I wasn't five actually. day turnaround yeah, no, I, to play I Melbourne. That. I get that, but I wasn't surprised at all because for for me this is a build up to Melbourne. Now this but is can no you, disrespect can they to that? North but Melbourne, but th- th- it sounds like. Th- th- it, but, but other but
4: opponents, they wouldn't do that,
5: would they? So, no, I still think they would because you've got a guy now that will play he'll play 50% game time. That'll be it tonight. Once you lose two blokes early. Well, I still think you stick to the 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 structure of for Danger as an individual because his back half of the season could be the difference between them winning a flag or not if he gets if he really gets going. And you know, he hadn't been great to this point. He's been injured a lot. hasn't been to the standards we we know he can get to, so the back half we could Geelong need to see that. And so they've prepared him for or are preparing him for that. And I think the first one is against Melbourne. So he plays fifty percent tonight, and he'll still go and have a crack and play his play his way. But his minutes will be completely limited. And then he gets ready for five days' time.
4: What's a pass mark for North tonight?
5: A pass mark for, for North.
4: Given they've lost their last ten by over forty, and yeah, Geelong is, at Geelong is the, about the, as hard as it gets. Oh
5: look, the score the score's not not concerning. We we know what it's it's going to be. We know that Geelong should kick a hundred points tonight or more and and that's and that's just the reality of where where North Melbourne are at. So it's not so much around the the score for me, it's just around just their their body language and all those things and their effort it, and it's we're stripping it back and we've said it all year for North Melbourne, but that's just the reality of of where they're at. Hopefully a couple of the young players can continue to to really push up and um and in, and improve. And and have a big performance against you know one of the premiership favourites for for this year, and that's what North Melbourne should fans should be looking at is is who's standing up now against these unbelievable teams that you know at the top of the table. Ben, and that's ben not something. starting a full forward. Well, week. he could. I didn't mind against it. Tom Hawkins. When Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron are at the other end, they're going to score anyway. So it's just whether or not North Melbourne will get enough ball forward for McHaid to have a mm. have the opportunity to play well. Whether he does or Doesn't we don't know that, but at least if they get enough ball towards him, he can't sit there and say we've had thirty inside fifties and I didn't have I had limited opportunity. So that's the challenge from a coaching point of view. Is that is that structure, isn't it, around? Mackay looks okay as a forward, Mm. but we're not. The supply mightn't be there tonight. So that might adjust the the thinking in terms of his his positioning.
4: It's going to be very interesting. Uh, We'll take a break afterwards. We'll get stuck into probably the match of the round. It's Gold Coast uh, v Collingwood. We continue to gear up for all the action today for Dometic. Make your adventure effortless with the Dometic Go collection. Just pack, stack, and go. Who
3: needs a rev for Harley Heaven, the Harley-Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit HarleyHeaven.com.au for details.
4: Welcome back to Crunch Time. It's the Harley Heaven rev up. Well, Jono's given the Bombers a bit of a rev up after what happened with uh, Dylan Scheel uh, seven weeks ago. What about tonight? This is massive for the Suns. They want 20,000 there, which they never get big crowds They'll like that. that. And that. That'll School happen holidays, Collingwood. Oh, except the weather may hold a few. Yeah, back, it's going to be very, very unfortunately, wet. but they'll get a decent crowd. So they should be revved up on what's done. on the line and yeah. how big a game it is.
5: Definitely, the build-up for the Gold Coast Suns is big as it gets at home for them in in recent times. So wet weather,
4: good or bad for them?
5: I think it's good for them because they're a tough team and they love they love um, that aspect of of the footy and they they're so used to the slippery conditions anyway in terms of the way that they you know that what happens up on the Gold Coast in terms of conditions. So I think they're um you know, I think they sort of edge favorites for me in in this game tonight, as well as, you know, Collingwood are are going at the moment. But I just I just think that yeah, I just think they edge edge Collingwood in this one.
4: What have you liked most about the Suns this year?
5: Oh the, the growth in some of their, their individuals is is been really important. Ainsworth's probably leading the charge with that rankin has been more consistent um, across the game and the aspects of the game. Return of Raoul has been good. Wits and Swallow back from injury have have added some you know really strong depth, especially wits in the middle of the ground, Chole and Casbolt. So that that combination up forward, everyone thought when King went down that mm. was that was it for the Gold Coast Suns. But these two guys have created some real stability in the tall forward aspect of the of the game. And so you know Collins down back's critical, yep. and he's been injury free. So there's a lot of things that have worked well for Gold Coast. Finally, they've got a good run at it, and but it's all on the line for for them and where they sit. And it's probably the same for three or four other teams around them that, you know, they just got to keep finding a way to to win. Um, as good as they were last week against Port Adelaide, and just losing that game and hanging in there and playing some really strong football at times, their ball movement was was very good at times. So that's the growth that I've I've loved watching from a Gold Coast point of view. I've done a lot of their games over yeah. <laughs> over the journey, Jules, and it always hasn't been um, been great to do, but. You know, they're, they're on a real journey as a, as a footy club, and you can see that change now. And we talk about, you know, the players wanting to, to play for Stuart mm-hmm. Jewel, play for the club. You can see that. The signings are uh, reflective of that as well. So they're in a really great space, I think, at the moment, Gold Coast, that gives them a great platform to start to build some success.
4: And the Pies lose Howe, which is significant. He's a crucial player sure to the way is. they play. If they win tonight, you lock them in for September. If you look at their next four, they play North Melbourne, Adelaide in Adelaide, Essendon and Port Adelaide in Melbourne.
5: So yeah, it's a good draw before
4: they finish with three really difficult games. They
5: should win the next four. So even if they, they don't win tonight, I think they still win the next four and, and probably shore up that position inside inside the eight. Which not many people had them in. So start lining up, Collingwood fans, yeah. for that first week in September. But I think, um, yeah, it's it's if they do win tonight, do I agree with you? It's yeah. locked away. It probably is, based on that draw. Their last three are, a little, are obviously harder. So this next block is, this is it. Yep. The, for the possibility as we, that's why it's so good it's so open this season mm-hmm. we're at we're at round 16 and it's it's wide open that it's on the line for so many teams mm-hmm. that um it creates you know good chatter around it it creates um, a good energy around the game and and where they all sit we go through every game tonight and you know, it's it's important for so many. Yeah, it's a
4: great season. And there's twists and turns, as we saw with the Saints last night, upsetting the Blues. Turn your daily commute into a daily thrill-seeking adventure at Harley Heaven, Melbourne. Ringwood and Dandenong, the Bombers and the Swans not too far away. Sam Hargraves, Liam Pickering and Jordan Cornelius will bring you the action. We'll be back to wrap up Crunch Time after the break.
2: Enjoying crunch time banter? Check out Dabble banter channels and copy crunch time bets. Go on, have a dabble, gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
4: Josh Jeans joins us from Dabble as he does every Saturday. G'day, Josh, and tell us what's been happening on Dabble this week.
1: Yeah, g'day, Jules. Good to be back. Yeah, so as you know, Dabble, it's offering a unique experience for, for punters. And one of the great things is you can follow experts and people that were following free AFL tips. They've had a win because... About 60 people have copied their best. And Tommy Sheridan, the ex-giant, he's also <laughs> hit a nice same game multi. And uh,
4: about 20 people copying that bet as well. So the community's had a win, which is great. Now, the Thursday night team had another yeah. win but they're not getting their copies. Any danger, they'll get the respect they deserve at some stage, Josh. Oh, i tell you what, I feel
1: like every time I talk to you on the Saturday, the Thursday night crew have had a win. So, I mean, yeah, just the six copies again, but, I mean, the numbers are growing. So, let's hope we can uh, correct that with the Saturday tips, Jules.
4: And uh, just take us through what bets we're looking at uh, today. Yeah, so we're going to go to
1: Sydney Swans head-to-head. I like that bet, of course, mean the you know, Essendon Lock, to uh, West Coast last week. So let's see if they can bounce back. Demons, 40-plus. I reckon producer Ben's had something to do with that one against the Crows. Uh, Geelong Cats, I mean, will North Melbourne get another win this season? You've gone 40-plus there. And uh, the Magpies head-to-head against the Gold Coast. What are you liking there?
4: Like him. Uh, Demons plus 40 is interesting without Jackson and Gorn and the fact the Crows defeated them last year. And Collingwood Giants is a a real flip of the coin in what is going to be really wet weather up there on the Gold Coast. Uh, But like it, Josh, let's hope that four-leg multi uh, gets up. Uh, Thanks for your time again, mate, and we'll talk to you again next week.
1: Absolutely. Just download the app, follow the Crunch Time AFL team. Go on, have a dabble, dabble socially, and gamble responsibly. Thanks, Jules.
4: Yeah, enjoying crunch time, banter, check out dabble banter channels and copy crunch time. Bets, go on, have a dabble, gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Uh, looking at tomorrow's game, the, the most interesting one on paper looks to be Fremantle, Port Adelaide. They've lost a couple Port Adelaide. Uh, Ratio Fantasia, again, was going to play. He's got injured. And Tom Cleary's out, which is significant. Can you make a case for them against oh, Fremantle? Oh, definitely. They're
5: in good form. Yeah. Mm. They're, they're, they've sort of found found their way again, Port Adelaide. They're their senior players are starting to really stand up and have an impact on, on the outcome. So so no doubt they're, they're a chance against Frio. I, I've tipped Frio basically purely because it's... Um, in Perth? In Perth, yeah. yeah. Off the yeah. Bat. If it was in Adelaide, I probably would have gone yeah. with, with Port Adelaide. So it's, it's probably as simple as that. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be hard for it. I think a great way to finish round 16 with this game because of what's on the line for a top four spot for Frio, who I think are a genuine premiership threat. Their back six is as good as... Mm. As anyone, I think they've really built a strong premiership back six throughout the last couple of years now. They're all back from injury and playing the, the type of level we, of football we know they can. And Port Adelaide's on the climb. They're in that mix with Gold Coast and the Bulldogs and Collingwood and St Kilda and Sydney to, to push for a finals berth now. So that's why it's game on for them. Question without notice,
4: to finish, out of these three players, which one veteran players now will have the biggest impact on their team between now and September? They're all going to play finals. Dustin Martin... Patrick Dangerfield or Nat Fyfe, oh. which one do you think will have oh. the biggest contribution between now and the end of the season?
5: I'd like to say Danger. Mm. Yeah, I think um, Martin l- could. Look honestly, Martin could do anything. But he hasn't yeah, done much. Since he I came know back. that, he's, he hasn't really got going just, yet. Maybe he's just timing he's his just run. waiting for September. He's just waiting for September action to, to turn it on again. So, and he could easily do that. He's just a, <laughs> such a gun. Um, but I think it's on. I think it's on Danger out of that probably goes danger five then martin's achieved the other two haven't in terms of grand final success so maybe there maybe that's why i go that way so can one of danger or five get their team over the line and maybe that's maybe that's danger maybe maybe five is too far gone this year Mm. and yeah if he can get back to some sort of form it has to be forward of center form for for me with Fife, I think danger can can get back there quicker.
4: Just quickly, do we need to lower the bar on what we expect from those three now? No, no, no. they still can be that. Oh, they match of course winner? they can.
5: Yep. Yeah, of course they can. I don't think we have to lower the bar. I don't think they'll lower the bar on themselves on their performance that so they wouldn't expect it from from us as well. So I'd go danger Fife, and then Martin can do it. <laughs> well, his history in
4: September <laughs> exactly uh, is pretty good. Uh, Brad, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure hanging Thank out you, as always. Thank you to Kane Corn too. Gave us about three quarters before he absolutely threw the toys out of the cot. He's got one rule changed. Who knows what he'll do this week. He'll try and get a petition going for the stand rule. I don't like his chances uh, of getting that one through. Big day of footy coming up on SEN. First of all, we go to the MCG. It's the Bombers and the Swans uh, taking you through that one. will be Sam Hargraves, Jordan Kanielis and Liam Pickering. Then the other games today, of course, Adelaide versus Melbourne at Adelaide Oval. Then tonight, uh, one that looks a bit one-sided on paper, the Cats and North Melbourne, and a beauty between Gold Coast and Collingwood. This has been Crunch Time for 7-Eleven Hot Food, hot and ready near you. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.